it's really a great day, y'all. We're starting something brand new, and uh, we're excited about that. This is my wife, Denise, and uh, we're here uh, to kind of chat about uh, marriage, y'all. <clears throat> and we just wanted to kind of, uh, this is my wife, Denise. We've been married almost 44 years. We got married when we was 18 years old. I can't even believe it, y'all. We got what is that, y'all? Are you kidding me? Hey, y'all look at that. Check that out. That was me and her on our wedding day. Do y'all see something really significant there? Like I had hair, right, long, flowing, blonde hair. See, I tell all these guys that's got long hair, man, you're, look what you got to look forward to right here, guys. Amen. Uh, but that was on our wedding day, <clears throat> uh, October the 12th, 1974. Uh, and um, y'all also ought to know something else about me on that picture. I'm a lot slimmer uh, than I was there. Amen. Now, Denise looks the same, y'all. She ain't changed, right? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we've been married <clears throat> 44 years, and this is Beth and Travis Cooper. Now, Beth is my personal assistant, y'all. Oh, my goodness. There you are, Travis. Look at you. Uh, you was old when you got married, Travis. You just, uh, you know, it's amazing, man. Uh, but uh, uh, Beth is up here because she's my personal assistant. And no, I couldn't make everybody, anybody else come. So I said, Beth, you got to come up here with me. And Travis just got roped in. And so here we are, guys. Uh, wedding day, 18 years old. Uh, Denise had her, she started stalking me in the third grade, y'all. Uh, we've been knowing each other since the third grade. Honest to goodness, we have. Uh, we went all the way through grammar school together and all the way through junior high together and all the way through high school together. Got out of high school, got married. It's crazy, I know. But that's, that's our life. And so wedding day, baby, what do you think? We, we got married, and, uh, you know, we're talking about just starting out 44 years ago. What, what comes to your mind? What do you, what do you think? Um, Microphone. Well, first of all, I did not stalk you. you Are you kidding me? You did, too. <laughs> you you write me letters in the third, third grade, grade saying, do you love me? Check yes or no. <laughs> that's not true. Our wedding day, I remember coming through the doors of our church at Happy Home, and when I took my first step, my dress went, and I was like, Dad, I'm tearing my dress. He said, kick it out of the way. So I said, dun, 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 <laughs> And I didn't care about anything else. <laughs> I thought she was mad at me walking down the aisle kicking like that. It was just fun. Had a good day. Yeah. And what? Yes. And you know, you that know, Jackie knows that he loves 64 Chevrolet, and so that's his pride, 64 Chevrolet. We had a 64 Chevrolet that we had dated in. And, and so I'm excited, you know, how you get the stuff tied on the back of it that makes all the good noise and how they dress up your car. And so when I walk out, I see a red truck, his dad's old red truck. And I said, where's the car? He said, get in the red truck. And they had took shaving cream and anointed it and, so then we're, I'm like, where are we going? He said, we're going to wash the truck. I can't take it back to Dad with all this stuff on me. <laughs> hey, here's the thing, y'all. I, I was not going to let them touch my car, y'all. They, they was not going to touch my car. So right out of the wedding, right out of the bat, you get to ride an old beat-up pickup truck. Wasn't that exciting for you? Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, you and Coop, uh, Travis, what do you think? You got married. What happened, man? Well, we got married in the middle of July, so it was scorching hot. We've been married for 17 years. Uh, July 8th of 2000, we got married. July wedding. Mm -hmm. Like, you were sweating. That's yeah. it. Who chooses to get married in Alabama in that kind of weather, man? They're still mad at me for that. 
So you got married in July, sweating like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. What happened after there now? Well, <laughs> so our thing was, we got to the reception, and you know they're taking pictures, and they're like, "Oh, you got to get in here, and you got to do this, and you got to do that." And so we were like, "Okay, well, you'll fix us a plate to go, right? Like you're gonna fix us a box." Because you hadn't eaten all day. We hadn't eaten all day. We got a long way to go. We're like, "Okay, you," and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, here's your box, here's your box. Put it in the car, everything." So we get in the car. We're headed out to you know nowhere, Georgia, and you know, and so we're going and we're driving, and I open the box, and there's like one little sandwich and like a little fruit cup. And Travis like, uh-uh, I'm pulling into Hardee's. And I'm like, no, 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 it's our wedding day. You are not taking me to you're a drive-thru. I am not doing drive-thru on my wedding day. <laughs> Travis, I don't you're care. Like, you look very cheap date, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. So we drive on. We get to the hotel. We go. It's kind of late. Well, we didn't think it was that late. It was like 8, 8.30. But apparently they close early. And um, we're like, we don't know if this restaurant's still open. It might be. It's kind of the nicest place in town. So we go in, and we get there, and the host is like, I'm sorry, we quit serving about 10, 15 minutes ago. And Travis like, mm -mm, can I speak to the manager, please? Uh, you <laughs> so pulled the manager card. He did, he did, and he just like, it's our wedding day. She won't let me take her to a, to a drive-thru. Can you help me, please? <laughs> so no, no crystals that night, bro. No, no you're uh, not doing I was that. like, no way. So you pulled the manager card. What happened, Travis? Oh, we got two slabs of ribs, baked potato, and salad to go. Look yeah. at you, boy. Crazy, <laughs> On man. the house, Y'all crazy. How many of y'all remember the day you got married, anybody? Remember that? I bet y'all got some crazy stories, y'all. Uh, so today we're starting off a brand new teaching series called Making Marvelous Marriages. But before we do that. Are y'all ready? Can I get an amen? Let's all stand together, lift up our Bible. Y'all know what we do here. If we don't base it off the Word of God, we're in trouble. So guys, if you're new, we're glad you're here, but we want you to know that we're going to be focusing right here on this Word. So let's say it together, everybody. This is my Bible. It is trustworthy and true. Right now, my mind is alert, my heart is humble, and my and I will listen and I will learn and I will live the principles taught in this book to the glory of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said what, guys? Amen. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we're so grateful we can come in your presence today. And God, we know without a shadow of a doubt that, God, you are our God. And, Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for our life. And, God, when we align ourselves with that, it's a wonderful life. And we thank you, God, that you're a God that gives life and gives it more abundantly. And we praise you for that. And Lord, I pray in the next few weeks that this place will just pack out with couples and uh, young couples that want to hear about all this stuff. And God, I pray that you will speak to their hearts and to their lives. So God, today... We love you. I pray, God, that you'll allow me to speak today, not for a big name or reputation on, but, God, that Jesus will be glorified in all that's said and done. And we're going to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated together. Look at your neighbor in the eyes and say, I am so ready to learn. Go ahead and tell them that. <clears throat> I do want to tell you something uh, to begin with today. I want to welcome everybody at the Eden Campus. Thank you so much for coming today. I want to welcome everybody at the River Campus. Man, we love you guys at the River Campus. And, and I want to welcome everybody that watches online. We've got a lot of people, y'all, uh, that watch us all of the country online. And we just want to welcome our online family. We want to welcome everybody that's listening by radio. We've got a ton of people that do that. Uh, they're our radio family, and we love you, and we're thankful for that. I do want to tell you a couple of things before we dive in today to kind of set the groundwork where we're going. I know that, look at me, y'all, I know everybody's not married. 
And I know that uh, there's a lot of people that's uh, never been married, and I know there's a lot of people that's been through divorce, and, and, and I get all that. Uh, this coming Tuesday, you may want to write this down, I'll be on the radio for one hour. They called me up, and they said, Brother Jackie, uh, will you come on the radio and just hang out with us? Uh, it'll be at 4 o'clock Tuesday afternoon on the drive home with WDJC, and I'll be speaking on the subject of divorce. Uh, they wanted me to come in and talk about that. Uh, so I recognize and realize in a world that we live in today, there's a lot of people who's been through tough times in their life, and I want you to know that uh, if you're divorced and you went through that time, there's a lot of people that are divorced, y'all, uh, that didn't ask for that. There's a lot of people that, that in their life, uh, tough things happen, and, and there, you know, things, things happen in relationships, and I just want you to know uh, that if you're one of those people that uh, maybe you've been divorced and all that, uh, we're not your enemy. Uh, I love you, and uh, you know what? You can't change that. Uh, you know, if you've been through that tough time of divorce in your life, uh, you know, you can't go back and undo that. You know, it's in the past, and, and what, but what you can do is start today moving forward, and I encourage you to do that. So when we talk about subjects like this, I want you to know that I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not throwing anybody on the bus. If you've been through the tough times and the hard times, look, I get that. Uh, there's people in my family that's been divorced. There's people that struggle that I love, and they love me dearly, uh, but I just want you to know that I believe that whether you're married or not, or whether you've been married and you're divorced, that I believe that we're living in a time today uh, that we have an opportunity to teach our young people how to build marvelous marriages. And I think if we don't ever talk about that, or we don't ever preach about that, that, that they're adjusting to the culture rather than being regulated by the Word of God. And so my goal as God is moving in my life, and what we're going to be talking about uh, in the next few weeks, that I encourage you all to come, we're going to be talking about how do you build a marvelous marriage. And we're going to be discussing that. Uh, I want you all to know that Denise and I, we've been, through, we've been on the mountaintop, y'all. We've had great married life. We've, uh, we've had great days. And, uh, man, we've even had a few We haven't argued a day. You know, we've had those days. But we've also had those days where she didn't like me. Uh, th th there's, don't amen that, baby. But there's been days uh, we've been in the valley. There's been days when, man, everything is rocking and we're hitting on all the cylinders. And there's been days when we just didn't jail together. Uh, there's been days when we've, you know, we've, we've had great days, and there's been days where we've had knockdown, drag-out fights. I know that's hard for you to believe. By the way, uh, in this four weeks, we're going to be talking about um, how to make marvelous marriages in finances, how to, how to have a great fight. We're going to talk about that, y'all. Uh, so uh, we'll probably demonstrate a fight or two for you in this, and I'll come out bruised up and beat up and all that stuff. But Denise does not believe in divorce. She believes in murder because she believes in death, do us part, so she said, I'll kill you before I divorce you. So, so we deal with all that stuff, but I want you to know that uh, I believe that we ought to develop our marvelous marriages on the Word of God. So I think today what we'll do is start off by asking a few questions. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Is there anybody in here been married 50 years or more? If you'll stand up, if you've been married 50 years or more, stand up. Let us look at you, man. Good night. Look at that young couple. Isn't that wonderful? Y'all let them know. Amen. And Margie, God bless you. There they, there they are. If you've been married 40 years or, or, or more, or stand up. If you've been married 40 years or more, stand up. Come on. Uh, baby, you can stand up. There we are, y'all. That's us. That's us. Yay, Nelson and Mary, we've been married that long. How about 30 years and up? You've been married 30 years and up. Come on, get up. There we go. There they are. There's the 30-year-olds. 
Amen. How about 20 years or more? You've been married 20 years or more. Stand up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. There ain't a person in that balcony stood up. Y'all ain't never been married, have you? Amen. Uh, the way I look at it, if you've been married 20 years or less, you're still trying to figure it out. You don't count at that time. Amen. So, uh, you know, 20 years or less, you're still on the honeymoon trying to figure it all out. And, and I, I, But, hey, we're here to encourage you. I, I want you to know that when I look at people like Bill and Patsy and other people that, that have navigated through marriage and they're happy and they're content and they're, they're in love and all that stuff, that y'all encourage us. And I, I think that's a good thing for us to see in our church that we've got people that have made it. Can I get an amen? And that they're doing good. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I love about Eden Westside is that we are diverse in our ages. It's not just young people. It's not just old people. It's a mix. And I think that's a healthy church. I believe that we need people like us to help the younger people, and I think we need the younger people uh, to help us along the journey. So I just want to tell you that I believe Eden Westside's a blessed church. Can I get an amen? So today, I want us to focus on making marvelous marriages. How do you do that? How do you make marvelous marriages? So the very first thing we're going to be talking about today is the foundation of a marvelous marriage. If you have your Bible, we're going to open the Word of God today to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. What a great place to start. Amen. Genesis. We know that marriage is not a Baptist idea. Marriage is not a Methodist idea. Uh, marriage is not an Assembly of God idea. How many of y'all recognize and realize this? Marriage came from God, amen? It didn't come from the Supreme Court. Uh, it didn't come from our, our courts of the world. It came from God. And we have to realize that God has established this, this institution called marriage. Now, we got to understand that marriage was instituted before the church was born. So we realize that in the heart of our Father, in the heart of God, marriage holds a very special place in God's heart. So when I begin to look there together, I begin to realize how do you build a, a, a great marriage? And I believe that marriage is so important that when we think about marriage, family, relationships in our world today, the, the dynamics, the definition, and the durability of it goes haywire in our minds. We have drifted away from God's word. We don't know how, what marriage is no more. And I want to go on record to tell you this. Marriage is not regulated by courts and, and the world and the culture. Marriage is the heart of God. So, so we're living in a world today to where the courts and the culture has said, you know what, this is what marriage is. So when we want to build a strong marriage, we got to realize, God, that there is an, there's an authority that's bigger than the Supreme Court. There is an authority that's bigger than our culture, and that, that which is bigger is our God. Can I get an amen? So we looked at it together, and the Bible says, and are you listening? Say amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, it says these words. And God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now let's stop right there for just a moment because you've got to understand what that means. You remember that when we study the Bible and you see that word us and our, it means that God is representing himself. Now we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we realize then that if God is going to make us in his image, he's made us to be a three-part creation. That is, man is body, soul, and spirit. So like God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. So we understand that when we come in this world, 
We come in this world physically alive and mentally alive, but we're spiritually dead. So the Bible tells us, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're not going to experience the fullness of God unless you know God in a personal way. So the Bible says that the very intent, the very beginning of who we are is that we're to be made in the image of God. And listen to me, church. You cannot be made in the image of God if you leave God out of your life. Can I get an amen? So we understand then that God said, let us do this so that the next verse says, or the next part of that verse, so that we can have dominion. And the Bible says that we're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God, let's read this together, everybody. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he, him, say it together, male and female. Let's stop, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. God made us male and female. Now, I'm a firm believer that we're living in a world today that there's a lot of people that don't know if they're a man or a woman. Can I just tell you this? God don't make mistakes. So we realize then that God has given us a gender, and that gender is male or female. The biological makeup of us, who we are, we're all different. We have different characteristics. But the idea is that God made us male and female. That, that's who we are. We're male and female, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that so that we can represent him in how we live our life. And then the next verse is so powerful. It says, and God blessed them. Everybody say that with me. He did what? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then we find in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, we find these words. The Lord God said it's not good for a man to be alone. So I will make for him a help me. In other words, I'm going to put somebody in his life that's going to make him complete. The Bible says, out of the ground of the, the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what Adam would call them. All right? And whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. All right? So let's stop right there. <clears throat> so here we got that God has got Adam made. <clears throat> All right? Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so Adam is there in the garden. Okay? He's a, he's a crown of creation of God. And God says to Adam, Adam... I tell you what, I'm going to give you a job. You've got a job, Adam, and your job is to name the animals. And whatever you call them, that's what they're going to be. Is that what the Bible says, y'all? So picture this in your mind. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Picture this in your mind. Here we are, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. We know it's a perfect world. Man, it is so cool there, and it's a beautiful place. And I just kind of weird myself out like this. Adam is... Maybe, maybe there's a rock there, and he just kind of goes back and leans on the rock, and there's a waterfall flowing, and the birds are singing, and it's cooling, scenery is beautiful. And, man, the, the water's flowing, and the birds are singing, and, and all the stuff, and Adam goes, okay, I got a job. My job is to name all the animals. And so right out in front of Adam, there's this path, and out in front of Adam, there's this big meadow that opens up out there. Y'all got it in your mind? Say Amen. So we got Adam on the rock, waterfall flowing, birds singing. There's a path, and out there there is this meadow, and Adam's going to name all the animals. So now Adam just kind of goes and leans on the rock, chills out a minute, and uh, 
And here comes out in that meadow two deers, and they're just jumping, man. And, and there's, a, there's a buck and a doe, and they're having fun, and they're just out there in that meadow just having a blast. And he says, oh, that's a deer. And then all of a sudden, uh, two squirrels run out there, and, man, they're just playing, having a ball, and he goes, that's a squirrel. And, and, and all of a sudden, two rabbits run out there, and he goes, that's a rabbit. And the list goes on, and the list goes on. That's a rhinoceros, that's a giraffe, that's an elephant. Dear God, I'm tired of this stuff. And all of a sudden, he's naming this stuff, and, and man, they're out there, and he's thinking, they're having the time of their life. I'm bored out of my gourd naming these animals. And God looks down from heaven, and the Bible says in the next verse that, that Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowl there, and to everybody. Can you imagine that assignment, y'all? But for Adam, there was not found to help me for him. Now stop right there. So here we got Adam naming all the animals. He's thinking, I am so lonesome I could cry. Man, they got all these animals. I mean, they got mates. They're playing, having fun. And here I am. I'm, I'm just, and he's going, and God looks at him. He goes, poor, pitiful guy. So what does God do? The Lord caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam. Now, this is where a lot of the ladies say, see, I told you, you, you sleep all the time. See, uh, the Bible never tells us that after he put Adam to sleep, he ever woke him back up. So we're just kind of zombies moving around here. But the, the Bible says a deep sleep fell on Adam, and he slept. And uh, he took one of his ribs, uh, and he closed up the flesh indeed uh, thereof. And the rib that he took out, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a, say it, woman. Out of his side, not, not out of his head to be over him, not under his feet to be under him, but out of his side to be his help me. And the Bible says that he brought her to him. He, everybody say that last part with me. What? He brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. Do you see that? Say Amen. So when I looked at it together in that verse 20, the next verse, Adam says, now Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife so that they are no more two, but now they have become one. And the word of God tells us all about they, they were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Can you check this out, y'all? So Adam's sitting on the rock. He goes to sleep. God puts him to sleep. And all of a sudden, after a minute, God wakes him up. And, and Adam's going, man, I just really zoned out here. And God's standing over there. Can y'all picture this? God's standing over there next to the woods. And God's saying, hey, Adam, did you sleep good, man? He goes, yeah, but man, I must have hurt. I, I slid off that rock. My side is killing me. So God just kind of puts a smile on his face, and, and Adam notices God's at his arm like this. And he notices there's a hand in his arm, but he don't know who it is. And I, God says, hey, Adam, I got a gift for you. I got a present for you. And all of a sudden, are y'all ready for this dramatic moment? God steps out, and, and this woman steps out. She's naked on top of that, and, 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 and he ain't never seen a woman. And oh my gosh, she is the creation of the Lord. And Adam's mouth gets dry, and his heart starts pounding. He's going, oh my God, I can't breathe. This, she's beautiful. And all of a sudden, God starts walking toward Adam with this woman holding on to his arm, and he says, Adam, this is now bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. Man, this is your wife. <laughs> really? Really? Five minutes ago, I was bored out of my gourd. Now I got a wife. 
Man, I've been made complete. You know what I just described for you? Your wedding. Because that's what God does. He brings you a spouse into your life as a gift to make you complete. And the Bible goes on and says, Jesus says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife so that they are no more two, but then they become one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but now they're one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Gosh, what a powerful thought that is. What God puts together. The word, let no man put asunder, means don't let anybody divide that. Don't let that have a separation in it. Now, when we begin to look there in the scripture, we have to ask ourselves some powerful questions in order to move us through the next four weeks. So are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. How do you build a marvelous marriage? So I'm going to give you about four things to start off with. This is our jumping off place, so you got to listen, all right? So number one, how do you build a marvelous marriage? The first thing you got to realize is you got to find a marvelous mate. you got to find a marvelous mate. Now, that's a little bit of a misnomer, because the finding of a marvelous mate. How do you find a mate? How do you find your, your spouse? Now, y'all listen. You know, when, when Denise and I were young, and a lot of you old heads will remember this, I mean, uh, it was uh, pretty easy to do that because if we got out of St. Clair County, we thought we was in another country, y'all. I mean, if you said to us during our life, oh, we're going to take a trip to Georgia, it was like, wow, we just left America. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, really and truly, if, you, if my mom and daddy said, hey, we're going to Birmingham, I was thinking, whoa, we're about to take a trip like we've never took before because to go to Birmingham was a big deal. Anybody in here besides me know what I'm talking about. But guys, it ain't that way no more. You know, people find spouses everywhere. I mean, the world today has gotten so big. When my life... The world was little, tiny. So, man, uh, you know, when I grew up, uh, if you graduated from high school and you didn't have somebody on your, in your eye that you are going to marry, you was going, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to be alone all my life. So that's why Denise had her eye on me in the third grade. She's going, I'm going to get this guy. Get this guy. And so the world was so small, but today it's so big, and people find spouses everywhere. There's, there's online dating. There's all kind of stuff, and I'm not saying it's good or bad because I know a lot of people that have met uh, very wonderful people that, that we, didn't know, we didn't know you could do that stuff. y'all. Well, you couldn't do that stuff. But, man, there's people that make connections all around the world. There's people that find spouses all over the world. And, and it's a good thing. I mean, God does things with that. But, but I was looking the other day. Beth gave me an article the other day. And if you guys are struggling with finding a mate, uh, I want to give you some good news today that I read an article in. You can actually hire a dating coach. Somebody that tells you how to go on a date. So some of y'all going, I ain't had a date in three years. Well, hire you a dating coach then. Maybe they can help you out. But the fact of the matter is, you know, like you can hire somebody to help you build muscles and all that stuff. Well, now you can hire somebody to help you date. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I thought, wow, that's new. That's new. So, so we look here together, and we begin to realize, how do you find that person? 
How, how do you find that person? Do you go to the bars and go, man, I'm just going to hang out here and kind of look like I got a groove going on and maybe somebody will come up and speak to me? Or uh, do you find them in church? Do you find them in social groups? Do you find, where do you find them made at? And I'm going to give you some things you got to think about. So are you ready to say amen? The first thing you got to do in finding a mate is that God, it's got to be regulated by the principles of God. You've got to set your standards on the principles of God. Uh, listen, my friend, if you leave out the principles of God, chances are the person you select is going to be a mess. You see, a lot of people started off by letting their emotions dictate their choice. Or, or man, you know, they, got, uh, they went on a date and they thought, man, this guy's got it going on. He's got a red Corvette. Oh, gosh, uh, I'm really jazzed about him. You didn't, know, you didn't really realize he was an axe murderer, but, but you liked his car. You're thinking, man, he's got beautiful hair, or he don't have no hair, or or whatever. Listen, my friend, you've got to let your choices be regulated by the principles of God. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed it up in the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from a man, he made a woman and he brought her to the man and the bible says and adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called a woman because she is taken out of man what is the first principle now this is not in your outline but you got to write it down the first principle that's going to that's going to help you find a marvelous rate of mate is that you've got to have it regulated by the principles of god principle number one write it down Marriage is between a man and a woman. Did you hear what I said? It is a man and a woman. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what our culture promotes. And listen, I'm just going to preach the truth of God's Word. Now, there's people that's going to go, Brother Jack, you're out of touch with reality. No, I'm not. I'm in touch with the God of heaven when I tell you that marriage is between a man and a woman. It wasn't Adam and, and Steve, it was Adam and Eve. You've got to understand that. Now, I've got people that love me. Guys, look at me, look at me. I've I got people that are lesbians, people that are gay. They love me, they love me. They know they love me, and they talk to me, and they, they respect me, but they love me because I love them. But they know this about Brother Jackie. As long as i got breath in my lungs, as long as I can stand behind this holy desk, I will never agree with what the courts of the culture dictates as godly marriage because it is not. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And, and I think that's principle number one. So write that down as a man and a woman. Principle number two is this. Uh, not, not there yet, but principle number two, in that principle lineup, are you ready to write it down? An unbeliever should not, a believer should not marry an unbeliever. Because if you say this, <clears throat> well, you know, I, I know I'm a Christian, and I got old heathen Bob over here that I've been dating, and man, if I can just hook him, get him hooked, I'll get him into church, and man, he'll just be a spiritual. Can I tell you this? Uh, it's a mess. So if you're a Christian, and you want to serve God, and you want to commit your life to the Lord, you want the, you want the abundant life, you, you don't need to marry an unbeliever, because that's biblical. Uh, that's a biblical principle. Unbeliever, believers should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever because it creates problems in the future. And there's some of you that right now you would stand up and say, Brother Jack, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's the truth. 
So your marriage has got to be regulated by the principles of God. And then secondly, finding a new mate, it has to be revealed by the will of God. Revealed by the will of God. Look, guys, you want, you want the person that God wants for you. You want the person that God has set up for your life. And look, there's a lot of us older people, you know, that, that's who, you know, we done been there. But man, I'm preaching for the younger generation. I hope our younger generation hears me. Because if you, listen, it's not your will be done, it's God's will be done. And there's a lot of people that have gotten married that says, man, if I could just rewind it. If I could just go back and do it again. You've got to let your marvelous mate be revealed by the will of God. People go, man, I've got to get married. I, you know, I'm getting old. I've got to get married. I'm, I'm a junior in high school. My gosh, my life's flashing before my eyes. Don't do that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is the, is the scripture that will help you know this. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And somebody tell me, he will direct your path. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all believe that? That if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, all of your heart. Now, let's just pretend for a minute that, that you're thinking, man, I, need, I, I would love to be married. I, I, I need to find the right person. You don't go looking for the person. You trust in God with all of your heart. You remember, Adam didn't go looking for Eve. God brought Eve to Adam. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Let's read that scripture together. Verse 5. Start there all the way back. Everybody out loud together, say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will... Uh, watch this. If you're trusting in God with all of your heart, and you're doing that with all of your heart, the Bible says God will direct your path. Well, guess what? If God's got a mate for you, and they're trusting God with all their heart, the paths are going to cross. If God's directing your path, and he has a person for you, he's going to direct their path. And you've got to let God do that for you. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Trust in God. When it's right for him, he will show you who that is. So we've got to realize that finding a marvelous mate is, is a work of the principles of God and the will of God. And then the fusion of a marvelous mate. What happens when you find the right person and you come together? The fusion of that together, how does that make you one? How do you get to that place where you go, man... We're going to be one together. There's, there's two things that are radical in this thought. First of all, you enter into covenant. Now, covenant is so important. You see, when, when you get married, it's not a contract. It's not a contract you sign. Uh, it's not a business deal. I remember when uh, I was going to ask Denise's dad, could I marry her? I remember, man, I was scared to death. And, and, and he, look, y'all look at, look at me. He was outside milking a cow. I, I'm telling you the truth. He was milking that cow. And I walked out there. He didn't even look up. He's still milking the cow. And I'm thinking, this is the awkwardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I just kind of dry mouth and stuttered all of myself and, you know, fell all over myself and finally got to the place where I go, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he, he ain't even looked up at me. Still ain't looked up. Milk, milk in the cow, y'all. And, and he says to me, he, he didn't say yes or no at the start. He said, uh, well, you know, 
marriage is not 50-50. He's still milking the cow. He ain't even looked up at me. Milking the cow. Marriage is not 50-50. It's most of the time 90-10. And I'm thinking, hmm, okay? He said, you know, a lot of people think marriage is 50-50, but it ain't 50-50, it's 90-10. Most of the time, you're going to be giving 90%, and you'll be receiving 10%. And if you don't know how to do a marriage like that, you're going to mess it up. And then he finally says, he's still milking the cow. He says, I'd be glad to have you, my son-in-law. Get out of here, you know, he's milking the cow. And I'm thinking, wow, that was a weird conversation. But after I thought about it, I thought, wow, you know what? He's right. Marriage is not a contract that if you do this, I'll do that. If you do this, I'll do that. It's not a tit for a tat. You see, marriage is something you enter into selflessly to where you love the person unconditionally. That is, there's times in our life, y'all, well, we've been on the mountaintop. It's easy to love people when you're on the mountaintop. But, man, there's times when she goes crazy on me. And I'm thinking, man, it's tough. And there's times I go crazy on her and we don't agree. And, and you know, there's times when I'm, when, when I'm thinking, man, she, you know, she just don't, she ain't paying no attention to me. But what do you do with those things? Do you just bail out? Do you walk away? Do you, what happens at those times? We've been there. We've done that. Marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. When Denise and I stood before God in, on, that, on, that, on that marriage day, when we stood and we exchanged our vows, now you have to understand this. If you're going to have a rock-solid marriage, you've got to understand this. You're not saying vows to each other. She wasn't making vows to me. She wasn't saying, oh yeah, I'm going to do this for you and do this for you. Guess who she was making vows to? Our Father, God. She was saying to God, I'm going to love him. I'm going to be a wife to him. I'm going to support him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to love him until death do us part, regardless. She was saying that to God. And I was saying the same thing to God. So when we entered into covenant with God, that's when God blesses that. And as you're blessed in that covenant, you don't have a contract that, that if, if the person, other person doesn't own up to it, you go, well, listen, I mean, we know that one in the contract. This is not part of the deal. You did not enter into a deal. You entered into a marriage. And that marriage is sacred. So you're entering into a covenant with God when you say, I do. But not only do you understand that you're entering into a covenant with God, but there is a consummation of that marriage. Now, a lot of people think about the consummation of the marriage in regards to the sexual union between the husband and the wife. And the Bible says that God honors the marriage bed, and he certainly does. And we'll be talking about that a couple of weeks from now. That's going to be the PG message that I will try to bring uh, to you during that time. What about this, this time together? But, but you look there together, consummation is not just sexual. It's, that's not where it starts. It's not the consummation of the sexual activity. It's the consummation of the heart. You see, you, you consummate the heart together. And that heart becomes one. And when the heart becomes one, it, it's where God brings you together, infuses you together in such a way that all of a sudden you become one. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall, somebody say the word, cleave unto his wife. The word cleave is an interesting word. Uh, when you think about cleaving, and those of you that have been around metalwork all of your life, or maybe you're familiar with it, uh, when I was in the work world, I came out, I was, had the engineering mind, and I'd done a lot of welding and all this stuff. 
And what you do is when you, when you weld a piece of metal together, and, and that, those two pieces of metal are joined together with a weld, when you have done it right, when that weld is, was right, you could take that metal and bend it. And you bend that metal and you bend it and you bend it and it goes through all kinds of tension. And when that metal finally breaks, it doesn't break in the weld. In other words, the metal will break before the weld breaks. The idea behind the word cleaving is the idea of fusing together. Coming together so that when the storms of life blow into your home, when you're going through the tough times and, and you're caused to bend, and, and man, there's a lot of things that come in your world as a couple, and it causes you to bend and to shape that no matter all the hell that you may go through, everything else may break, but not you and your wife, not you and your husband, because you're fused together. You become one. The Bible tells us that it's a consummation, the consummation of being fused together. A lot of people say, well, you know what? We consummated our marriage when we entered into the, the sexual act as a husband and wife. No, my friend. That's just part of the blessing of God. When you consummate the marriage, it's when God takes two hearts and puts them together so that they become one. And that's the fusion of the marriage together. And then we look, thirdly, at the function of a marvelous mate. What about the function of a marvelous mate? How, do, how in the world are we supposed to function as, 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 as a mate in this marriage? And if you're going to have a marvelous marriage, you've got to know how to function as a marvelous mate. So let's start off with the top, and that is this. What is the function of a husband? What is the function of a husband? And man, I could just spend all time, all kinds of time on this. But I wanted to narrow it down so that you would understand what is the function according to the scripture and, and what is the Greek interpretation of that? The Bible says in the book of he, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. And he gave himself for it. Let's hang out there for a minute. If you look at the word husband in your Bible, the word husband is made up of two English words that we're all very familiar with. You may want to write this down. The word husband is made up of the English word house. It's where we get the word house. So when we think about husbands, we think about house. And then the next English word is the word band. So when you put it together, house, band, what it means is the husband's responsibility is to band his house. That is, he is to be the protector he is to be the one that bands the house together so that no enemy comes in. He is to be the one that bands that house together. He's got to be rock solid in his commitment to Christ, rock solid in his commitment to his wife, to say to his wife and to his family, I'm going to do everything I can do to make sure that this family is banded together. This family is banded together for the authority of God. I'm not going to let an enemy sneak in the back door. I am not going to give in to all the things that the culture is saying. He's going to be the Joshua spirit that says, I don't know what all of y'all are going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve this Lord. Our house is banded together. And the Bible says you are to be a husband. 
And in our world today, we find that husbands are not leaders in the majority. That is, they're followers rather than leaders. Let me tell you something, men. Your God-given assignment is to be the spiritual leader of your wife. Your God-given assignment is to be the spiritual leader of your family. Your God-given assignment is to lead the way so that your wife is not attacked and your kids are not attacked. And you bind that house together. You bind that house together in the authority and the anointing of God. You stand firm in your convictions and you be the leader of that home. That's what a husband does. But the Bible says he is to love his wife. Love his wife as Christ loved the church. You know, men, we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we love our wives that way? Do we love our wives so much so that like Jesus loves the church? You know what that means? You may want to write this down. It means that he loves us unconditionally. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us that much. Do you love your wife regardless? The Bible says you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And watch this. He gave himself for it. You know what that means to me? I, would, I should be willing to die for her. I should be willing to protect her and care for her and esteem her highly, making sure that, that she knows, you know what, this guy is not just a preacher in the pulpit. He's a spiritual leader in the home. That this guy's the real deal. This guy is a guy that's going to be the spiritual leader for my wife and my kids and my grandchildren so that I say, you know what? I'm not going to forfeit my family for this culture. I'm going to be a man, a spiritual man, a godly man, and I'm going to be committed to that. So we have to realize that a husband has a role, and that role is to be the spiritual leader of your home. Your wife shouldn't, look at me guys, your wife should never ask you this question. Are we going to church today? Your wife should never ask you this question. Are you going to pray with me? Your wife should never ask you a question like that. If she has to ask you that question, you're failing as a husband. Men, you've got to rise up. You've got to get a bulldog hold on what your role is. And you've got to realize, you know what, this is a serious thing. You only get a little while to be a husband. You only get a little while to be a daddy. You only get a little while to be a grandfather. You are to be that man that will rise up and say, you know what, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be that husband that's going to ban my house. I'm going to ban the enemy out. And then you look at the role of a wife, the role of a wife, the function of a wife. What does a wife do? Is a wife a doormat that gets under the authority of her husband and just uh, like that? Is that what it is? No. You remember that God took the rib out of the side of Adam so that we could say, you know what, she's not a doormat under my feet and she's not to be the authority over my head, but she's to be a helpmeet for me. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, wives, say it together, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband, not somebody else's husband. You are to submit to your own husband. And I found this out, guys. If you'll be the spiritual leader that you're supposed to be for your wife, she won't have a problem following under your leadership. She won't have a problem doing that. If you'll love her like Jesus loves the church, she'll follow your spiritual lead. What does the word submit mean? We're living in a world today to where people are going, I ain't saying that at my wedding vows. You're not going to get me to say, I'm going to submit to that gorilla right there. You're not going to do that. I ain't submitting to him. And I tell them, you know what? That's what the Bible says. Now, what does submit mean? You may want to remember this and write it down. The word submit means one equal, putting themselves under the authority of another equal so that God will be glorified. 
one equal putting themselves under the authority of another equal so God will be glorified. You see, we're convinced of this, and you know this as well as I do, that when one equal puts themselves under the authority of another equal, God gets glorified by that. Listen, there cannot be two heads. Anything with no head is dead, and anything with two heads is a freak. You've got to have somebody that's going to be the leader. God has ordained that the man be the leader, the spiritual leader in the home. Wives are supposed to submit under that authority. It doesn't make you less than a person. It just simply means this, that you're willing to get under that authority so that God will be glorified, so that when the world looks at your marriage, they will say, you know what? I, I love Jesus. I, I, their marriage is great. I want, their, I want my marriage to be like their marriage. It doesn't mean that, that we treat them like dirt. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that the role of a, husband, a wife is to submit ourselves under the authority of a man. I can't, I can't tell you how many men I've talked to that says, man, I'm trying to be a spiritual leader. Man, she just won't let me. Let him be the spiritual leader. Empower him to do that. Allow him to be that spiritual leader. Help him do that. You'll be amazed at what will happen as God begins to work in that life. So you begin to realize that, that the role of a, of a wife is to be that help me, to be that, that person that's going to get under that husband, to help empower him to be that spiritual leader. And then we don't need to forget that there is the role of Christ in this. You see, when you enter into marriage, it's not just you entering in with a man or a woman. Jesus is supposed to be in the center of that. You see, Jesus has a role in your marriage. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, but I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. In other words, we have to realize that God has set up a, a, a way to, to, to operate so that we don't have conflict. You see... Over the man is Christ. What does that mean? He's got to answer to Jesus. Under, over Christ is God the Father. You remember, even when Jesus was on the earth, when he was here on this earth, uh, he was God. Do y'all believe that? Say amen. But while he was on the earth, this is what Jesus said. He said, you know what? While I'm here, I will render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, and under God what is God. In other words, you know what? I'm going to have to be under some authority while I'm in this world. And that world says that I'm to render under Caesar taxers. So, so I've got to render under Caesar's what Caesar's while I'm here. In other words, as long as you're living on this earth, there's going to be some sort of authority over your life. And in the home, there is a role of authority. God the Father, Christ the Son, the man, and then the woman. And God wants that to happen. And then the kids, and then the dog named Spot. The fact of the matter is, we're living in a world today to where a lot of times it's all backwards. Kids are ruling the roost today. Uh, kids, kids, and I, I love kids, guys. I love teenagers. I love young people. Let me tell you something. They're not to be the spiritual leaders of your home. You know, it's the tail wagging the dog thing. You are to man up, men. You are to be making sure that you're the spiritual leader of your home if you want a marvelous marriage. And you, you ladies have got to know how to make this work. And we have to make sure that we're walking in that place where we're functioning as a marvelous marriage. I thank God my wife understood how to do that. How many of y'all know kids will play one against the other? Can I get an amen? And you know what? We never, we would never argue in front of the kids. We, we tried not to do that. 
We, we tried not to have those disagreements. We tried to make sure that, that kids wouldn't play her over me. And she did a great job of saying, you know, what What's your dad say? It wasn't that if I made a statement and did it, she said, no, you're an idiot. That, no, we're not going to do that. No, she honored that. And kids know that. So we have to realize that we, we, we need to function in the proper way. You cannot be a leader of something you don't lead. So you have to understand that. And then finally, the future with a marvelous mate. The future. You know, I think that most people that get into marriage want to have a future together. You know, you, you don't get married to go. I don't, I've, never, I've never met a couple in my office when they come in to talk to me, and I say, why do you want to get married? And they say, because we want a divorce. <laughs> Nobody says that. Nobody comes in and makes that statement. Nobody. They come in, why do you want to get married? Oh, I love him. She loves me. Oh, my gosh, we can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> But nobody said, I'm getting married to be miserable. Nobody is saying, I'm getting married to be divorced. Nobody's saying, I want to get married so I live in hell the rest of my life. You see, how do you build a future together? How do you build a marvelous future? Marriage is not always mountaintops. Marriage is not always valleys. But too many people give up too quick. Too many people walk out too soon. You see, this is kind of what I want you to know. Yeah, when you get married, you say, I do, it starts a whole new life. It just does. And you're going to get older together. Things are going to change. How do you navigate through that? You know, I, I look at that picture of me on that screen, I'm thinking, I wouldn't have married him. And then I look at that and I think, man, I don't look like I used to look. I don't, you know, there's things that's changed. But guess what? It's going to change for you too. You're not always going to be 16. You want to build a future together. Future together. We have this thing in our house, y'all, as much as we can. You know, when the guys come and said to my daughter, to me, I want to marry, can I marry your daughters? I, you know, we talked and, and I would say, yeah, but there's, there's kind of a regulation, a rule that if you marry them, you got to bring them, we're going to all eat together once a week if it's possible. So we got this dining room, this table. Man, now we started off with me and Denise, then we had two girls, then we got two great son-in-laws, love them. Now we got four grandkids. Can I just tell you what it sounds like around my house? When they all come, look at me, it's crazy. They all come together, man, they're, they're slamming each other, laughing, screaming. I mean, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Kids are running everywhere. We sit down to eat, and I finally get them settled down. I go, okay, we got to... Let's settle down and eat. And it's nuts at my house on Monday night. But we do it. And I tell you what happened. One Monday night, they was all crazy, hollering, screaming, laughing, jabbing each other. And I just backed up and watched them. My first thought was, y'all are idiots. Second thought was, you know what, Denise and I have been married 40-something years. I could have messed this up a million times. I could have messed this up a million times. I could have walked away when we had a knockdown drag out. I could have quit when it seemed like the thing to do. 
but look at me. I'd have messed that up. Because unbeknown to me, down the quarters of time, God was going to bless us with some little grandkids. God was going to bless us with two little boys and two little girls that, that man have our heart. God was going to bless us with a dinner table that we could sit around and laugh and talk and share. And it would have been so easy for me to have messed that up. But you, ha you don't get married for a moment. You get married to build a future together. You get married so you can see God work in, in those lives and you don't know how it's going to be five years down the road or ten years down the road. When you look around your table and you're there at Christmas and everybody's opening gifts and you're thinking, Dadgum, this is cool. There's so many people that forfeit that. In Genesis 1.28 it says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. And you're going to have authority over this thing, and you're going to subdue it, and you're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing on this earth. In other words, I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be fruitful. I remember when we first started off in marriage, we didn't have nothing, y'all. I mean, we really didn't have nothing. We... Uh, we started off in a 12 by 50 third-hand trailer with gold carpet. That was a disaster. Uh, we didn't start off with everything. But as we've been faithful through the years, God has blessed us. Not just with stuff, but He's blessed our family. And He's enriched us. And the Bible talks about, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother cleave unto his wife so they too shall be one I remember the first fight we ever got in in our life Denise and I knocked down drag out just got married we didn't have no money so we had to borrow her daddy's truck so we could have another vehicle for the house so we had a knock down drag out she gets in the truck and leaves she's gone and I'm thinking dang gummy well, after I sat there a minute thinking, this ain't good, I got my car and was going to go find her. When I got down the road, I met her coming back. She's coming back home. I turned around and she came back and we worked all that out. But you see, building a future together doesn't mean you build it just when things are good. You build a future when it's hard. You build a future when you don't understand, when it's tough, when it's difficult and you work through that together in such a way that all of a sudden you realize this is a mystery but God is doing something in your marriage so that the world can see what a church really is how it looks so when people see us they don't just see us they see a testimony to the glory of God the bottom line is powerful to me See, build your marriage on the right foundation. Build it on the right foundation. And you'll build a marvelous marriage. But you got to start it off right. You got to build it right. 
And there's a lot of you that have already started and going, oh my gosh, Brother Jackie, our foundation wasn't right. Well, it can start today. It can start when you grab in your hand of your wife and say, baby, let's go pray at that altar. Let's go recommit ourselves to Christ. Let's, let's start over right now. Let's, let's, let's build this foundation right so we can build a strong marriage. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, Therefore, whoever say, hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man that builds his house on a rock. And the rain will come, and the wind will come, and the winds, the floods will come, and it will beat upon that house, but it won't fall because it's built on a rock. You know, you can't start off building a marvelous marriage unless you start off with the right foundation. There's people that talk to me all the time that go, well, and I, look, guys, I'm just going to be dirt honest with you. We're living in a world today where marriage is kind of taking the back seat. And people live together before they're married and, and all that stuff. You know, can I ask you a question? If you start off wrong, and it's all wrong starting off, how do you expect it to be right down the road? If you don't start off building your marriage the right way, trust me, it'll crumble. It'll fall. But you have to say to God, God, I want my family, my marriage to be built on the rock. That's a decision you make. In just a moment, I'm going to invite men to come to this altar. They're going to be here to pray with you. If you're a lady and you want to come, there's ladies here that will help you and pray with you. But listen to what I'm telling you. There's men and women in this church right now and at our river campus that needs to start today. You can start today by saying, God, I want you to come into my heart. I want to give you my life. You can start today by saying, I want to make this our church home. You can start today by coming to the altar as a couple and saying, forgive me. Would you forgive me? I want to be a better husband. Would you forgive me? I want to be a better wife. And you come down together and you kneel together and you just get before God and you say, I want to do it right. And doing that, you can build a marvelous marriage. But it starts with you. What will you do in this moment? So our ministers are going to come. If you guys will stand and come now. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. But if you're here and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, you come to one of them. If you'd like to join the church, you come to one of them. But if you want to come and pray, man, you come and pray. So right now, if you want to come, you come and take this moment with the Lord as we begin to sing, Brother Randy. You come. Just come.